Macro data surprises to the upside. Amazon with some big news. We cover the biggest analyst calls of the day. Nike tops Wall Street expectations. Some layoffs out of UI path. And City cuts their year-end S&P 500 price target. This is the Running With The Money briefing. Let's get into it. It's not a question of enough, pal. It's a zero-sum game. Somebody wins, somebody loses. I had been a rich man, and I had been a poor man, and I chose rich every time. Money never sleeps, pal. Just made 800,000 Hong Kong gold. There are three ways to make a living in this business. First, be smarter or cheaper. What is up and welcome to another episode of the Running With The Money Briefing. Now, first off, I have to apologize completely for the lack of consistency with the show over the past few months. There's been many new opportunities that have come to me outside of the financial world, at least when it comes to the stock market, etc. So, obviously, I had to take some time from the show. A lot of unexpected things coming up all the time. But either way, we are back, and the plan is to keep us back on the consistent track for the rest of the summer throughout the end of the year. So I cannot wait to get this show on the road. Either way, we have some big news today that we must get into, but to give you a brief primer on the markets after the close today, the Dow Jones closing down 62 points, NASDAQ down 83, and the S&P 500 down 11 points. Now, if we go sector by sector, group by group, what in the world do we see out of this latest session? Well, we see energy moving to the upside by 2.89%. Utilities right behind it up 0.95%. Then basic materials, healthcare also in the green. But all of the other sectors, industrials, consumer defensive, financials, real estate, technology, consumer statistical, communication services, all drifting to the downside today. Now, we do have to take this with some relative perspective. Last week was very green. You saw healthcare, real estate, consumer statistical, utilities, technology, literally every single sector aside from basic materials moving to the upside greater than 1% over the course of the last week. So we do have to take today's performance with a grain of salt. Now, shifting into the biggest headlines of the day, the first headline that I really want to talk about is actually some macro data, and that is pending home sales actually posting a surprise increase in the month of May. So pending home sales, which is a measure of signed contracts on existing homes, well, that increased in May, up 0.7% when compared with April, and that's according to the National Association of Realtors. Now, sales were also still 13 lower than May of 2021. So we do have to take that into consideration. It's also important to note that this increase in May, that 0.7% increase over the month of April actually broke a six month streak of declining demand. Now, shifting into the supply of homes, we do have to talk about the fact that it is beginning to rise. It's up 21% now from a year ago, and that is according to Realtors.com. Now, that is big because obviously we know there has been also a massive supply constraint on this real estate market. There has not been much supply on the market whatsoever. In fact, despite The fact that it's up 21% from a year ago, it's still, however, only just about half of what we had during those pre-COVID times. So that is definitely something 
to also take into consideration the fact that you are seeing massive supply come onto the market, but we aren't even close or we're not really even to those pre-COVID supply levels. Now, shifting into the median listing price of homes last week, that was up 17% year over year and holding steady for the third straight week. And really digging into this data, pending home sales did indeed rise 15.4% in the Northwest, but we're down 11.9% year over year. In the Midwest, sales fell 1.7% month over month, but they were down 8.8% year over year. In the South, sales increased 0.2% month to month, but were also down 13.8% year over year. Finally, in the West, the hottest segment regionally of the real estate market, at least of late, well, that also fell the hardest, down 5% for the month and down 19.8% from a year ago. So you are definitely seeing the real estate market contract a bit now that the Fed is, of course, raising rates, which affects mortgage rates, which also affects people's willingness to purchase a home. Now, shifting into some other macro data, U.S. durable goods orders also exceeded forecasted levels. Taking a look at the month of May for orders placed with U.S. factories for these durable goods, Overall bookings increased 0.7% in May, and that is also after a revised 0.4% advance a month earlier. Now, if we shift into the value of core capital goods orders, that increased 0.5% after a 0.3% gain a month earlier, so you are seeing increases here. The estimates for the headline number, that 0.7% number, was actually expected to come in at 0.1%, and also that core level was expected to come in at 0.2%. So, big-time expectation beats here when it comes to durable goods. Now, it is important to note, the last thing I took from this report, it also showed that unfilled orders for all durable goods rose 0.3%, while inventories increased 0.6% in the month of May. Now, shifting away from some macro data into some more company-centric information, Amazon dropping some news, or at least CNBC getting some documents showing that there will be two Prime shopping events this year. That's right, two. Not just one Prime Day, but two. It's interesting that this comes just after their previous quarter, where Amazon reported the slowest revenue growth of any quarter since the dot-com bust in 2001. So this comes off of some disappointing numbers out of Amazon, now launching two prime shopping days in 2022. Now, what does this all mean? Well, the first one is going to be July 12th or 13th, and then the second one is going to be near the end of the year in Q4, supposedly. So this is going to be something to pay attention to. Some analysts were liking this, and we'll go through a call that actually focused on this news out of Amazon here in just a few minutes. Now, shifting away from Amazon, let's get right into those analyst calls with Goldman Sachs downgrading Coinbase to sell from neutral today and upgrading Robinhood to neutral from sell. This is what Goldman had to say. Given the continued downdraft in crypto prices and the resulting fall in industry activity levels, we are downgrading shares of Coinbase to sell from neutral. Separately, we are also upgrading Robinhood to neutral from sell as we see the risk reward as more balanced. Goldman Sachs liking Robinhood over Coinbase at their current Prices. Now, shifting into Needham, downgrading Etsy to hold from buy. The firm went on to say, quote, while shares have lagged and some near-term volatility is arguably in the stock, in the near term, we view the discretionary nature of Etsy's model increasingly at risk. Needham seeing risk with Etsy's model. Now, shifting into Jefferies, and this is that call I was referring to 
when we just talked about Amazon. Jeffrey's going on to say, quote, reiterating Amazon as a buy, we see Prime Day helping to boost Prime adoption, especially in international markets, which have lower membership penetration and three new countries participating in 2022 Prime Day. So, Jeffries liking what they see when it comes to Prime Days. Shifting into a call at a Bernstein, reiterating Apple as market performed, the firm goes on to say, quote, so what are Apple TV Plus's rough economics? While the company has not disclosed anything, we estimate that Apple TV Plus may currently have 20 million to 40 million paying subscribers, annual revenues of one to $2 billion, and annual content spending of roughly $3 billion plus. Bernstein reiterating Apple, as market perform. And now shifting into our final analyst call of the day, Goldman Sachs reiterating Oracle as a sell. They go on to say, quote, we are reinstating on Oracle with a sell rating and $75 price target following the close of the Cerner acquisition and fourth quarter earnings report. Goldman Sachs reinstating the Oracle sell call. Now shifting away from the biggest analyst calls of the day, let's talk about Nike beating Wall Street expectations for the fourth quarter. They delivered an EPS of 90 cents per share compared to the expected 81 cents per share. So a B on EPS when it at least comes to those expectations. They also delivered a net income of $1.44 billion for the quarter, but that is below the $1.51 billion in net income and the 93 cents per share EPS that they delivered just a year ago. So year over year, the comp isn't looking too great. Also shifting into revenue, total revenue for the quarter coming in at $12.23 billion. That is better than the expected $12.06 billion, but still less than the same exact quarter a year ago, which came in at $12.34 billion. Now digging into these sales numbers, direct sales growing 7% to $4.8 billion over a year ago, but at the same time, their wholesale business, those sales dropped 7% to $6.8 billion. So something to note there. Now shifting into these sales details in North America, Nike's largest market, total sales fell by 5% to $5.11 billion. In greater China, their sales took an even bigger hit, mostly due to those lockdowns with total sales dropping by 19% to $1.56 billion. And that's compared to $1.93 billion a year ago. Now shifting away from that, we did get commentary out of Chief Financial Officer Matt Friend. He went on to say, quote, in this dynamic environment, Nike's unrivaled strengths continue to fuel our momentum. We are better positioned than ever to drive long-term growth while serving consumers directly at scale. So Nike management at least sounding pretty darn confident. And also on the year ahead, they did not deliver direct guidance or at least direct numbers to point to. Now shifting into UiPath, cutting their workforce by 5%. And this comes on the back of a lot of other layoffs across really the entire economy. Now shifting into this, UiPath will be reducing their workforce by roughly 5%. That's according to the SEC filing. It's also important to note that their total workforce is roughly 4,200 employees as of April 30th, and the layoffs are expected to occur by the end of July. Now, these layoffs were approved by UiPath's board to reduce their headcount in order to, quote, increase profits, and that is according to the SEC filing once again. Now, UiPath does estimate that they will spend roughly $15 million as part of this restructuring plan, and it's important to note this is what the company said 
or at least the comment they made to CNBC on this layoff news. In the context of ongoing business prioritization, UiPath is undertaking a restructuring action that will primarily focus on the effectiveness of our go-to-market organization. Now, they did note that this really has not much to do with the overall economy. At least that is what UiPath is currently saying, and that really is more company-centric, and they're focusing on more profitable growth over at UiPath. Who really knows, though, especially given the recent macro developments and all the other layoffs across many other companies throughout the U.S. economy. Now, finally, rounding out the show, let's talk about City cutting their year-end S&P 500 target from 4,700 down to 4,200. And this call was made by analyst Scott Croner, and he said in a note, quote, Fed hawkishness and the rising real rate impact on valuations has been a defining feature of the first half drawdown as stubborn inflation has persisted. That is mostly priced into the current index level and multiple. Better than feared earnings and signs of peaking rates combined with bearish investor positioning support a positive second half risk to reward setup. Now, it is important to know that City Economist in this note also now pegged the risk, according to CNBC, of a global recession at 50% with an expected arrival during the middle of 2023. Now, we got more commentary out of City and Cronart here. He goes on to say, quote, relative to a current plus 11% earnings growth expectation for next year, our previous recession scenario work presumes a negative 10% hit to earnings next year. That gap will become an increasing focus during the second half, but will need to be weighed relative to the evolving Fed and interest rate considerations. So in essence, what City is saying here with this price target cut, yes, we now expect a 4,200 level to finish out the year when it comes to the S&P 500. That's down from their original 4,700 point, but we do see a second half bounce given the bearish positioning, what the Fed has done already, and really what is expected to come as for the economy, not only nationally, but globally over the course of the next really two years. So that is important to note that there's also a significant chance of a recession and they do see a potential second half bounce but that is the show for today i thank you all for listening once again and we'll be back tomorrow we're trying to get back on that consistent schedule in the meantime go give my boys over at pounding the table a listen and follow they are delivering an awesome show and you should all go give it a listen anywhere you listen to podcasts including spotify and the apple podcast also please go and give me and my team a follow at luke tonight on twitter or at running with the money on facebook and instagram and of course you can listen to us anywhere you listen to podcasts Easy profit trade on, and I'll see you tomorrow.